All right. Okay, got some clapping going on. Good morning, All People's Church. How are you guys doing today? I'm Kendall. I'm the executive pastor here at the church. I'm privileged to get to share with you this morning. And I just want to pray over our time that we'd be blessed as we talk about the blessed life. So close your eyes with me. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you've already been doing in this service. God, touching us in worship, empowering us to give to the nations of the earth. And now we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come be our teacher. We pray every person here would leave with a word from you. God, we pray for Robert in England right now. We pray you give him great wisdom as he invests in this church there. And um, we just ask you to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a question to get us started. What are your thoughts on work? Nervous laughter. What are your thoughts on work? One of my earliest memories of work is going to my dad's office. My dad always had his own businesses, and I remember going to his office, sitting behind his big, important desk. Um, I love playing with all, like, the technology at his office, messing around with the mail meter, you know, putting envelopes. I now know that cost him money, but sorry, Dad. But um, I remember putting my face against the Xerox machine, you know, messing around with all his stuff. But um, I, my dad always taught me to be creative and to work hard, and that's real important to me. Um, through college, you know, I felt called to business and to the marketplace after I, I went to university. And I had a few experiences with work that really kind of helped shape me as I was trying to determine my career. The first thing was my first really tough job. Has anyone out there ever had a hard job? Well, this job actually was so hard, it only lasted me a day, but let me tell you a little about it. Um, My parents thought I needed some real work experience, and so I applied and was accepted to be a beer delivery man for one day. I'm not sure I should have been delivering beer in the first place. That's a different sermon, but let me just kind of dive in with you. And uh, I'll, I'll just share some of the mistakes I made during that day. So first of all, I arrive at 8 a.m. for my first day of work. They give me my beer delivery man shirt. And, you know, that's when you arrive at work, right? 8 a.m. Well, that was my first mistake of the day. Apparently, I was supposed to be there at 5.30. So I was already in trouble. And they put me in a shuttle and kind of shuttled me out to the truck where I was to meet my driver. And I was to learn of my assignment. Well, I was very intimidated when I arrived at the truck because I was a scrawny, scrawny college freshman, and this guy had biceps that were, like, bigger than my legs. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I might not be cut out for this job. So as he began to describe the job to me more and more, I began to learn what I was to do. So basically, we had a a truck, like an 18-wheeler. We'd pull it in, like, a 7-Eleven parking lot, lots of potholes, kind of a bad part of town, and then we'd bring stuff into the 7-Eleven on dollies. But the kicker was, it was a dolly about this size, but we'd put 24 cases of glass bottles on the dolly at a time. It was really heavy. I can be a little on the clumsier side at times, so I was a little nervous about it. So, you know, first step, I, oh, this is like a perfect little dolly here. Okay, so I loaded everything up on the dolly, you know, barely got it. Oh, there goes the water. That's the, I'm going to ruin my story. Okay, so I put everything on the dolly and kind of, you know, whoa, got it through the parking lot, got it into the store. The guy behind the counter is looking at me like I have no idea what I'm doing, which I didn't. And I got it into the store and moved it up, but great. Some of you did better in physics than I did. And you realize what happened next. Down it went on the other side. Glass, liquid, everywhere. Huge mess. My second big mistake of the day. Okay, I was in trouble. And so I got one of those big um, mops, you know, you see from times. And I'm trying to clean it all up. And my driver's totally frustrated with me. He just kind of goes to the back of the store. And while I was cleaning up this mess, I forgot about the other part of my job, which was to watch the truck. So... 
as I cleaned up my mess, I went outside to the truck, 18-wheeler, and all the sides were open, and about half the beer had been cleared out and was stolen. (laughs) Somebody had a great Super Bowl party that year. Um, Anyway, so... I got in really big trouble with my driver, whose name I don't remember, but he told me basically sit in the cab and don't get out the rest of the day. So there I went. I sat in the cab on my hands the rest of the day, didn't touch anything. About five o'clock, we rolled back into the hub and he said, give me your shirt. So I gave him my delivery man shirt back. I was never paid for the day, but at the same time, I was just really happy that I didn't get a bill. So (sighs) what about you? What are your experiences with work, positive or negative? You know, um, some of us here have been working from an early age, and others are kind of struggle to find consistent work, right? There's people here that work in the home. There's students here. There's people in the medical, business, entrepreneurship, in the arts. We're kind of all across the board here. Some of us are a little more prone to be workaholics. Other of us are a little more prone to be hardly working. But regardless of where we're at, work is a big part of our lives. But I know there's times where all of us feel like our work is cursed. We don't feel like there's life in it, right? We feel like we're just punching that card, coming home at the end of the day. It's draining. We don't see God's work in it. It doesn't feel like worship to God. But is that really what God wants? I don't think it is. You know, as we continue our series, The Blessed Life, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about work. And the reason is, is because most of us are going to spend over a third of our lives at work. The average man or woman, 25 to 55, spends about eight and a half hours a day at work. That's over a third of our days we spend at work. Moms, we know you work like double or triple that, but for most of us, that's all we can handle. So we we work about a third of our days. Um, So this morning, I want to speak to you from the subject, the blessed work life. The blessed work life. I believe, and I believe it's here in the scriptures as we're going to study, that God wants us to be blessed in our work. Are you with me? Ready to dive in? Great. So... First, a few thoughts about God. First of all, God is a worker. God is a worker. Jesus said it this way in John 5, 17. I think we've got it. Great. So Jesus said, my father is always working and so am I. My father is always working and so am I. God is a worker. I like this scripture from Genesis, Genesis 2, 2. It says on the seventh day, God had finished his work. Of creation, so he rested from all his. God is a worker. If you're familiar with the Genesis story, you know it teaches that man and woman are made in the image of God. And because God is a worker, he made us to work. He made us with a job to do. Genesis 1:28 says it this way: and God blessed them. And he said, Be fruitful. Oh, there it is right there. Good. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God blessed Adam and Eve from the very beginning of time. He blessed their work because they had a job to do, to fill the earth and subdue it, to bring God's glory and God's reign upon the earth. God's heart from the beginning of time has always been for men and women to have blessed work lives. Amen. So it's interesting, you know, even as you look at the Bible, the types of people that God used. God used all kinds of workers in the Bible. Just a list here as I was studying, I made a few notes. Abraham was a rich owner. Joseph was a slave. Moses, David, and Amos were shepherds. Ezekiel was a priest. Paul was a tent maker. Peter was a fisherman. 
James and John were sons of thunder. I don't know what they did. It sounds like a motorcycle gang or something, though. (laughs) Jesus was a carpenter. Mary was a full-time mom. Anna was a poor widow. Simon was a politician. And Matthew was a tax collector. God uses all kinds of people and desires to bless their work. Let me jump back in a little to my story uh, for a minute because I think, it, I think it'll help you. After college, I had a few very challenging experiences with work. I, I worked in environments that just lacked integrity. They weren't honest environments. I was overworked. I was mistreated by my employers. I remember one corporation I was working for that was going so downhill that they took away the free coffee. After that, I said I was out of there. And um, I had some challenging jobs. But during that season... God brought two mentors in my life who taught me how to live the blessed work life. God brought two mentors in my life who taught me how to live the blessed work life. One was a guy named Mark. Mark was not a flashy guy, um, but he had a really interesting story. He never went to college. He lived in a small town his whole life, but he built several businesses into the multi-millions. And I'll tell you how I got connected by Mark. I met him through a mutual friend uh, just at a a get-together at someone's home. But as I was praying about my career, God spoke to me and said, hey, you need to call this guy and ask him for advice. Ask him if he has any opportunities. So in February, I sat down with him, took him out to coffee and said, hey, Mark, you know, kind of working at this job now and I'm looking for other opportunities. I'm wanting to be trained how to be a kingdom business person and to do work God's way. Do you have any opportunities for me? And I was really disappointed when he said he didn't. That was in February, but to my surprise, by May of that year, I would be working for Mark and starting a business venture that was engineered to be an excellent business that was also ministering to people in the kingdom of God. So God brought Mark into my life as a mentor. And the next mentor that God brought into my life was the prophet Daniel in the Bible. As I began to work and build this business and seek God on how to, this business Mark and I were starting, um, I began to pour over the scriptures and look for keys on how to build a godly and successful business. And that's when God started to speak to me through the book of Daniel. So if you have a Bible, you can go and get it out. If you don't have one, our ushers will probably kind of walk through and make sure you have one. You can raise your hand. But we're going to open up to Daniel chapter 6 this morning as we look at some keys on how to live the blessed work life. Daniel chapter 6. It's a familiar story. Daniel and the lion's den. Have you heard of it? Okay, good. First, let me give you some context on Daniel. Daniel is a Jewish person who has been sent to exile in Babylon. If you're familiar with the history of the Old Testament at all, what happened is that Israel was kind of based in Jerusalem. That was the center of their faith and their life. But because of sin, God sent them into a 70-year exile in Babylon. Babylon's in modern-day Iraq, so they went pretty far, okay? And they were there in exile. Babylon was not a godly place. It was a worldly kingdom. Its rulers were pagan. There was all kinds of ungodly practices going on. But the Jews that were there in Babylon were called to serve and minister to the Babylonians. And Daniel was one of those Jews. I like the story of Daniel because it's a huge parallel to our modern-day work lives. You know, the Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. So we're here on earth. Sometimes it feels a little like exile. We're not in our true home. We're not in the kingdom of God, but we are working and serving people who don't know God yet in hopes of influencing them for his kingdom. So Daniel's life in Babylon is a great parallel for us as we talk about the blessed work life. So let's pick up, pick up the story in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, we'll start in verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. 
with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So here's the situation. There's a king, King Darius. He's king of Babylon, and he has 120 governors, basically, that he puts over his land. And over those governors, there are three leaders that are keeping the governors accountable, and one of those governors is Daniel. So Daniel has a lot of influence. He has a really important job in Babylon. Let's keep going. Daniel is so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. This is where we see the first principle of having a blessed work life. It's the principle of excellence. It's the principle of excellence. I love it how the King James and a few other translations uh, say verse 3. They, they say it this way. They say, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors because an excellent spirit was in him. Would you hear that? Don't you, don't you just say, I want an excellent spirit in me? Doesn't that just kind of draw you in, right? I, I was talking to a friend before the service, and she was sharing at her work. Um, she, she does different jobs around town, how people are always coming to her saying, man, I like your vibe. I like your mojo. What is it about you? You know, you have such an atmosphere about you. It's because she has an excellent spirit in her, the Holy Spirit. When God fills us with his spirit, it's for power, it's for holiness, but it's also for excellence. And believers in the kingdom of God should be the most excellent, the most diligent people in the workplace. Amen? God wants us to be walking in excellence. This is one of the first things I noticed about my mentor, Mark. Okay, so let me tell you a few things about Mark. He had very humble beginnings. So this was his first business. This is how he made his big splash in the business world. Okay, he'd put on scuba gear and he'd go to golf courses and he would jump in the ponds, like the water hazards. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Any golfers out there? Okay, that's where you don't want to be if you're a golfer, right? Okay, so he'd jump in the ponds and he would find the old golf balls. He'd be down there with like alligator gar and snakes and stuff and he'd get them out and then he'd clean them and he'd sell them back to the golf courses. That was his first business, okay? Mind you, this guy is, you know, very successful now. So he went from that business, okay, to a race car track business. So he rented a warehouse and people would come and they just drive their remote control cars in circles. I don't know why, but they did. Okay. And he went from that and he went to the insurance business and he went from that into the construction business. And he went from that to the real estate business. He was so excellent at his work. You got to hear this, the same business he bought and sold three separate times, all for a huge profit. He was brilliant. God was using him as he was excellent in the workplace. And I was so impressed by this. As I saw Mark's life, I just thought, man, I want to have an excellent spirit in me. I want to be someone that walks out in excellence and influences people for the kingdom of God. Why? Because when we represent God well, with diligence and integrity, his spirit comes upon us with his favor. Excellence is the key to the blessed work life. Let's keep going. At this the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. You know, the Bible says everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Those of you that that's not just for pastors, right? Those of us in the marketplace, there's no difference there. You see Daniel's life, he's successful, he's working his job, and then people start turning against him. But this is what happens. It says they could find no corruption in him. Because he was a trustworthy, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Verse four, it says Daniel was trustworthy. 
this verse, it talks about how he wasn't corrupt. He wasn't negligent. The next key of the blessed work life is integrity. The next key of the blessed work life is integrity. And, you know, oftentimes we expect people that are a little farther than us in life to be integrity, to have integrity, but we give ourselves slack. It's so easy when you're just starting off in life, when things are hard financially to cut corners, to think, well, God understands, you know, I'm trying to survive. But listen, the more excellent you are, the more successful you generally will be. Because the Bible says who's faithful and little will be ruler over much. But the more successful you are, the more opportunities you'll have to fail. Your character can destroy what your gifts can build. Your character can destroy what your gifts and build. That's why a key to the blessed work life is integrity. The business that I opened for my mentor, Mark, it was a packing and a shipping business. It's like a little corner store. People would come in, pack and ship their packages. And we were open in several franchises of those in a certain area. And one of the first things I noticed about my new boss was his integrity. First of all, he was a stickler for expenses, which was challenging for me because I was trying to figure out how to do the bookkeeping. But man, he was a stickler with money. He was very, very concerned about not cutting corners. He wanted our office to have a, um, an honoring moral climate to the Lord. There were certain things we just wouldn't deal with. I remember that the company we were a part of there before, before we, we kind of bought into this area in Texas, their common practice was to have business meetings at Hooters. Well, they didn't do that anymore after we were part of it because we had integrity. Are you with me? Okay, so um, I, I remember coming back into town one time after a training event. And this training event really concerned me because what they were teaching us, you know, it was a shipping business. So people would bring their packages and pay for them to be shipped. Well, one of the factors of how much a package costs is the weight. And so they would bring their packages, put them on the scale, And what they were teaching us to do at this training event was to round up to the nearest pound. So basically, if you brought in a package that was 12 and a half pounds, the practice was to round up to 13 pounds, and then you'd be charged for 13 pounds. It was kind of the business guy's way of making a little bit extra on the side. Well, I didn't feel comfortable about that. And I came back from the training event. I started to talk with Mark about it. And it was so funny. He opened up the Bible. He, opened, he was always opening up the Proverbs. He knew the Proverbs backwards and forward. He opened up the Proverbs. Proverbs 11.1. 1. I want you to see this. Proverbs 11.1. 1. The Lord detests dishonest scales. <laughs> but accurate weights find favor with him. Can I just tell you, integrity brings God's favor Integrity brings God's favor on your life. Those businesses we started charging the right amount for packages, they're the two most successful stores in the state of Texas. So God blessed us beyond what we could ask or imagine as we would walk out in integrity. Don't forget, your character can destroy what your gifts can build. Love the name Daniel. Daniel means God is my judge. Daniel knew that if he had integrity, then God would bless him. You know, this law that was passed in Babylon during the time of Daniel was really challenging. You know, it says, we read earlier, that they couldn't find anything against him unless it was concerning the law of his God. So what happened was these satraps, these enemies of Daniel, they set a trap. The satraps set a trap. And the trap was that they they convinced the king to pass a law. And the law was this. No one can pray for the next 30 days to anyone but the king. Can't pray to another man. They can't pray, pray to God. They passed the law restricting religious freedom. And Daniel, he goes against this and he, he pursues God in prayer. He feared God more than he feared men. He had integrity. Let's pick up the story. Um, yeah. In verse nine. 
So King Darius put the decree in writing. This is the decree that was outlawing religious freedom. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Don't you love that? Right when Daniel learns of the rule, what does he do? He goes and prays, right? He fears God more than he fears men. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying. They caught him and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? This is where we find the next key to the blessed work life. The next key is prayer. The blessed work life is prayerful. Prayer is a huge key to the blessed work life. I love the story of Daniel because it so emphasizes prayer. You know, Daniel was a man of prayer. At the beginning of the book of the Daniel, he's praying in the prison. At the end of the book of Daniel, he's praying in the palace. Daniel was praying in all kinds of environments, asking for the favor of God on his life. You know, I've been so impressed. I've had a friend here in San Diego as part of our church, and he's been starting an internet marketing business. And he's been building his business on prayer. So about a year ago, God spoke to him the name of this business in prayer. God said, I want you to name your business True Favor. That's a good name for a business, True Favor. So he started to write that down. He started to get dreams of what his business would be like. God was leading him in prayer on who to hire. God was leading him in prayer to get a great office arrangement so he could set things up. God was leading him in prayer to take different investments, to not go to certain deals. And as he obeyed God in prayer, things would double or triple as God blessed him as he responded in prayer. The blessed work life is built on prayer. The Bible says it this way, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers built it in vain. If you want God to build your work life, you want to pray. This was part of my journey working for Mark at at the shipping store. Mark, I was so impressed with his prayer life. You know, you think about pastors being the ones that go on prayer retreats, right? Well, not Mark. He said he had so many investments in businesses, every month he would go away for a day and a half silent retreat to seek the Lord about what he should do with all his businesses. He took the lives of his employees very seriously. He would pray for them. He was always giving them encouragements. He was giving them scriptures. He was a man of prayer. We would start every business meeting with prayer. We actually, in our little retail store, we'd open it up once a week at 6.30 in the morning, and we'd have early morning prayer in our business. We'd say, hey, anybody in town, you want to come be a part of EMP? Come to our business. We're going to pray. We'll be by the packing peanuts in the back. So we would pray back there. We'd pray for customers to be healed. We prayed for all kinds of things. But there's one story in particular about prayer that I want to share with you. Our business, you know, typical retail setup, people come in, there's a screen and a credit card machine. Our credit card machine kept breaking. It was really frustrating. It got to the point where we were losing money. I was spending hours on the phone with tech support with the credit card people, and it was just getting very challenging. It got to the point where we had to hire a specific tech to come in, and he worked for two days on our computer and our credit card software, and he basically said, I can't fix it. I know what to do. It's going to be a few months. We'll get you some new machines. Well, that really wasn't acceptable, and that was going to put us in the red. And I remember after that guy was with us two days, Mark and I being on the phone and him just saying, it's miracle time. We need to pray. So we just prayed on the phone real quick. And um, as I tell you the story, I just need you to know that this IT guy that was working on our computers, he was like really far from God. Okay. He was not interested in God. Just take my word for it. So, um, so as we prayed, I went home to work, had dinner or something and came to the office the next morning at 830. Well, when I came in the next morning at 8.30, this guy, this tech guy was leaving. I was like, what are you doing here? You've been here for two days. You weren't able to get anything done. He said, oh, I just fixed it for free. See you later. 
I said, well, what do you mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, what do you mean it's fixed? And he said, oh, last night I woke up in the middle of the night and had a dream. And in this dream, I opened up your computer and I tied a few things together. And then I typed in a few things in the console and then it worked. So this morning I came in, I opened up your computer. I tied a few things together. I tied some stuff in the console and then it worked. God answers prayer. (laughs) But God cares about the most practical aspects of your work life. That's why I share that story with you. We are called to bathe our work lives in prayer. The blessed work life is based on prayer. Amen? Great. Let's continue the story. I know many of us are familiar with the story of Daniel and the lion's den, but just as a review, Daniel gets put in the lion's den. Okay? So he prays. He gets in trouble with the king. They put him in the lion's den. They seal it with a big stone, and he's in there for a whole night with a bunch of lions. So Daniel is dead meat, literally. But let's pick up the story here in verse 19 and see what happens. This is after Daniel spent all night with the lions. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God who you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. There's that integrity again. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Man, there's like a whole other sermon there. That's awesome. Let's skip down a little bit. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. You think the Bible's trying to make a point? Okay. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. That is awesome. This is where we see the last principle, the blessed work life. The blessed work life has purpose. His purpose. Love that book, The Purpose Driven Life. I think there's a reason it's been the greatest nonfiction book of all time besides the Bible. It's because so many of us feel like we don't have a purpose. So many of us feel like our, our work life, it's, it's cursed, it's, it's, it's meaningless. Um, but man, look at Daniel's life. God had a greater purpose for him, even than running a country. It was that all the nations and all the peoples heard about the God of Israel. A decree was issued throughout an entire nation because of what God did in Daniel's life. So here's a question for you. What kind of purpose might God have in your daily work? What kind of purpose might God have in your daily work? I think for some of us as parents, our, our, some of our purpose is, isn't even necessarily what we do. It's someone we're raising, right? Investing in the next generation. That's part of God's purpose. I've, I've loved getting to know my friend Eric here at the church. It seems like part of his purpose is just to get believers employed at his workplace. And he's just blessing people and pulling them into his con- company. That's a great that's a great purpose. But I want Jason to come and share something that God was doing in his workplace recently. Because I think it's going to bring us some clarity on God's purpose for our work. You guys thankful for Jason?
there it goes. Sorry. Yes. Hey, my name's Jason, everybody. Uh, I work at Starbucks, and I recently moved to San Diego just over a year ago. And uh, while moving into San Diego, I just transferred stores and transferred to a store up in Tier Santa. Uh, the first few weeks that I was working at Tier Santa, um, getting used to everyone, this guy kept, would come in every day. Like, not every day, but every other day. And as he'd come in, God would always, like, highlight him to me. And I'd be, be praying for him, you know, oh, God, just bless him, you know. And uh, one particular day, he came in, and he was just, he was really heavy. Like, just, he was carrying a lot of stuff on him. And, and as I was serving him, God's like, I want you to prophesy over him. And I was like, God, I don't want to prophesy over anybody right now. <laughs> much less make anybody's coffee. How, how long was your shift that day, Jason? It was like an eight-hour shift. Yeah, okay, yeah. And so... Yeah. Um, so I was, I was there, it's really, really tired, kind of grumpy. And God's like, I want you to prophesy over him. I was like, God, I don't want to prophesy over anybody right now. And he said, big, and he's like, Jason, I want you to prophesy over him and speak life because he needs it. And I was like, well, I need to go on my break then. And then right then, uh, the supervisor came up to me. She's like, Hey Jason, go on your lunch. And I was like, great. So... <laughs> So I, I go in the back, and I'm clocking out, and as I'm clocking out, I'm still kind of fighting with God and wrestling a little bit. And I'm like, oh, I really don't feel like this right now. And he's like, do it anyways. So I was like, okay. So I, I walk out, and he's sitting on the fluffy chairs, and I went over, and I was like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, I'm Jason. I serve your coffee pretty much every day, you know. Uh, I was wondering if I could pray for you and encourage you, knowing that if you say prophesy, people are like, uh, you know, I don't want to listen to this guy right now. So um, he was like, Okay. And I was like, sweet. All right. So, um, so before I started to pray for him, I was like, hey, whatever I'm about to say, if you feel like it fits, you can wear it. But if you feel like it doesn't fit, you don't have to wear it. And he's like, okay, sounds good. So I, I started to, to pray over him and prophesy over him or encourage him. And the thing God kept telling me, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I, I kept speaking life. I kept speaking identity. And I was re- like, God wanted to restore hope in his life. So I, I was saying these things and I finished and he just kind of just sat there like, and he, he reached down in his backpack and he pulled out a letter and he handed me this letter and I started to read it. And as I read it, I realized that this was a suicide letter. So I started crying and I look up and he's crying and he was just like, I was going to give God one more chance to prove himself to see if he had a purpose for me or if he even had, like, if he even cared. And so I was able just to, to pray with him a little bit more and just encourage him. And so, wow. and he still comes in. Yeah, I, I just want to read this again from Daniel 6. It says, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. Isn't there a greater purpose for our work than even the work we're doing? I know for me, you know, I was shipping packages. But let me tell you, through those stores, you know that 50 people have come to Christ? Nearly every time, I mean, Shelly, every time we go somewhere, right, there's someone that worked for me at one of those stores that is in ministry in like some random city, okay? God was using us to train people for ministry by having them ship packages. There is a greater purpose for our lives. 
oh man, if there's one thing I was just praying last night as I was getting ready for this message, I was like, God, won't you show us our purpose? You know, the Bible says without vision, the people perish. I just want to encourage you, if you're perishing at your work, maybe tomorrow morning, you're dreading it. You're more of a I live for Friday and Saturday kind of person. Maybe you work on Friday and Saturday, so you have Monday off or whatever. <laughs> God has a greater purpose, just as he did for Daniel. I love Proverbs 1130. It says, he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. We're called to be excellent. Do the best job we can. You know, we're going to have integrity as we work. We're going to represent Jesus well. We're going to pray like crazy that God transforms our city through our work. Amen? But God has a greater purpose. It's capturing people's hearts and winning souls so we can bring people into the kingdom. I want to lead this scripture here as we close. Last, last scripture in Daniel 6, it says this. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Sounds like the blessed work life to me. Why don't we stand and pray? I get so excited when I talk about work because I know it's God's secret weapon for transforming our city. You know, there's so many of us that are scattered all around town. And I just have faith in my heart this morning that God's going to bring clear purpose and direction to our work. I just feel that for some of us, there's been like a fog of confusion around your work where you haven't seen God's clear purpose in what you're doing every day. Or maybe you just need fresh vision and fresh hope from God. But I'm going to kind of invite people to come forward in a minute. But just while Stephen and the band get started, I want to pray for you. And if that's you, you say, God, I need greater purpose in my work. Fill me, God. I want to have a blessed work life. Would you just open your hands and let's just pray together. Just, Just all across the room. Just open your hands if you need that, if you want that. Father, we pray for our work. God, we pray for our bosses. We pray for the people that work under us. We pray for the people we see every day and the one-off people we'll see occasionally as we work. And we humbly ask that you would bless our work. God, we pray that you would bless and establish the work of our hands, like it says in Psalms. Lord, I pray for every person here, Lord, that this has had confusion and a lack of clarity in the area of work in their lives. And I pray that now that fog would lift out of their minds and that they could see the purpose of work as bringing fresh life and hope to people and as worship to you. God, and I pray that you would establish more kingdom businesses in our city, God, and more artists that are seeking the kingdom of God and more parents that are radically serving you and raising their kids in different ways. God, in the health profession, people that are excellent in health and seeing supernatural healings. God, and in education, I pray, God, for our students right now that their job is to learn. I pray you'd fill them with the spirit in this season and transform their lives. We pray that all of us would live the blessed work life. In Jesus' name, amen.